Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco, and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. Today, I'm going to continue on that thread, and we're going to talk about how to worship with the sound of heaven, how to worship with the sound of heaven. So if you're taking notes, or if you want the notes to be sent to your phone, make sure you text CLC notes to the number 97,000, and you're going to get all of my notes into there. But today, we're going to open up uh, our our Bibles to Revelation chapter 4, and we're going to uh, read from verse 1 to 11. So if you're there with me, say amen. And if you're not there yet, it's all good. We're going to throw it in the Sky Bible next, right behind me. Revelation chapter 4, verse, verse um, actually 4 through 11. It says this. After this, I looked, and therefore before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I have first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in spirit. So John here is having a vision, and he is in spirit. And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them there were 24 elders. There were, uh, they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures has six wings and covered uh, with eyes all around, even under its wing. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by you will there... uh, by your will, they were created and have their being. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? We're going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Father, we thank you today uh, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you are on the throne, that you are holy, that there's nothing and no one that compares to you. God, if we were to take uh, a few moments to start just describing who you are. God, it will take us eternity, Lord, because, Lord, you, you are indescribable. You're so good. You're perfect. You are holy, God. And this morning, as we, as we speak about worship, I pray that as we study your scripture, God, that you will teach us, God, how to worship you with the sound of heaven. We want to reflect heaven on earth, God. So open up our hearts, open up our understanding, and we thank you, God, for this opportunity together together with our church family. In Jesus' name, 
And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. As I was studying for this word, uh, I, I looked up the meaning of the word sound. And uh, the word sound, it's also very used as the voice, and it's used throughout Scripture. And in the New Testament, in, the, in its original language, in the Greek, uh, they use the word, uh, it's pronounced phone, which totally makes sense, the Greek word. And um, the, 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 the definition of that word sound, it, it goes like this, is any type of breaking sound or waves, any noise, a voice from a human a cry, a shout, or a language, a language. Now, for me, it's fascinating, the definition, that the sound, the sound of heaven, it's like a language. Uh, for me, as you guys know, I, I'm not from here. I was born and raised in Brazil, and I moved here when I was 13. And when I was 13, uh, I moved to Florida, and they placed me in an ESL class. For those of you that don't know what that means, it's, a sec uh, it's English as a second language student. All right, and some 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 people like ask me, uh, Pastor David, why do you mention that every single time you preach? I'm like, because there's new people here, and I just want them to understand why I have an accent. Okay, so I'm gonna continue to do so every time, and uh, it's interesting to me because uh, when they placed me in this class. Um, Everybody around me spoke Spanish. Now, Portuguese and Spanish, they are very similar languages. They come from the Latin, or you can call it the Romance languages, right? We have Italian, Romanian. Uh, you can include even French uh, and Catalan, which is a region in Spain. But we have several languages that are very similar because they come from the first original language, Latin. And so when I was in this class, even though the teacher is speaking in English, all my friends, all the people around me are speaking in Spanish. Do I have any Latinos in the room this morning? Awesome. We know who you are. Latinos are loud. We love it like that. We like to party. So uh, because of the similarity, I started picking up Spanish even before I, 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 I learned how to speak English. So now my brain is, I think in Portuguese, I translate it to Spanish, and then I translate it to English. I'm just kidding. That was, you can laugh. You can laugh at the joke. All right. What's interesting to me, though, is that there is a language in heaven. The Bible says that once we are born again, once we are in Christ, we are citizens of heaven. If we are citizens of heaven, uh, we can also assume that we must learn the language of heaven. What does heaven sound like? What is the language of heaven? And do you know how to recognize the language of heaven? PJJ, uh, he, he, he will confirm this. Like whenever uh, I go into a store and I hear somebody speaking Portuguese, I instantly recognize it. Instantly. It doesn't matter where it is. It could be like where the person's super far away. But I instantly recognize when somebody's speaking Portuguese. It's almost annoying uh, because sometimes I'm trying to do shopping and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Somebody speaking Portuguese in here. It's like Spider-Man senses, like ding, 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 right? And what's funny, too, I can recognize when a Brazilian is speaking English because I recognize the accent as well. <laughs> but why do I recognize it so easily? Because it's my native language. It's my native language. I can recognize it quickly because it is my native language. Now, we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we speak a heavenly language now. 
and we should be able to recognize when God is speaking instantly. Instantly. Why? Because now we are citizens of heaven. There is a new language. Do you know, are you able to recognize the sound and the language of heaven? The language of heaven. So today we're going to expound on that. We're going to talk about worship. As we read in Revelation, uh, there's constant worship in heaven. That's why we worship. It's, it's one of the main purposes of why God created us. From the beginning in Genesis, uh, we see that we were created to have a personal relationship with God, to worship him, to honor him. Now, the definition of worship, I'm going to quote a famous theologian from Brazil. It says this, worship is much more than music or songs in church. It's about the real you having a relationship with God. Anytime and anywhere, it's both a response and an initiative. Next quote is by a famous theologian from San Francisco, a native. He says this, God doesn't need to be reminded of who he is or what he does. We need to remember who he is and what he is doing. This quote is by Pastor Marquise, if you didn't catch that. Last quote, this is from one of my professors from Portland Bible College. He says this, worship involves all aspects of the human personality, physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. This is fascinating to me how we can worship God with our intellect. For all the people here that are smart, use your intelligence to worship God. Come on, shout out to Susan that got her master's degree. And I know she's going to do amazing things for God through her intelligence. This is a gift that God has placed in her life, and she's being a good steward. And I know the next step is now the PhD. Come on, somebody. But use your intellect to worship God. Everything that we do is an act of worship. It involves everything, every aspect of our lives. John chapter 4, verse 23, it says, But the time is coming indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. So fascinating because we don't have to try to get God's attention when we worship. He's already looking for us. He's looking for us. He's looking for us for you. Are you worshiping God in spirit and in truth? Do you know the sound or the language of heaven? So today we're going to explore that, and we're going to talk about how do we uh, worship God with the sound of heaven. And in order for us to worship with the sound of heaven, we must display five elements required in worship, okay? We're going to explore five elements required in worship. And I'm going to pull passages from both the Old and the New Testament. And as we go through this, you will recognize that these elements are also found in the first verse that I open up this talk with, which is shown in Revelation, which is amazing. Even the elders in heaven are worshiping God, crying, holy, holy, holy. So the first element today that I want to go over is sacrifice. Sacrifice is the first element of worship. In Genesis chapter 22, verses 12 through 14, it says, Do not, do, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do, do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. 
Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he, set, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. As many of you guys know and you're familiar with this story, this is the story of Abraham where God finally fulfilled the promise that Abraham would have a son. And through this lineage, a nation would be birthed. And it's amazing to me that after fulfilling the promise, God asked for it to be sacrificed. And Abraham, by faith, he obeyed God. As an act of worship, as a matter of fact, this is the first mention of the word worship, as Abraham is bringing his son to be sacrificed. And he knew this, that true worship has to cost him everything, everything. We see later as David, uh, in, as King David in uh, ruling Israel, he made a terrible mistake and it's going to cost him something. And he, he feels compelled to sacrifice something to God. And, and this, this man uh, wants to just give him a piece of land and all the supplies that he needs to sacrifice uh, something to God. And David, with the famous words, he says, I will not sacrifice something to God that costs me nothing. It cost me nothing. Many times I'm afraid and I get scared if I'm coming into a place of worship without a sacrifice. Many times I wonder in our Western mindset where everything is convenient, where everything is instant, that we sometimes may show up into the presence of the living God with nothing to give, with no sacrifice. I remember one, of the, one time I was taking a class in college, and it's called Worship in the Bible, and I quoted the professor early, Lanny Hubbard, and I find it fascinating because Lanny, he doesn't play an instrument, but he's teaching about worship. And I think they did that in, on purpose because the whole point he was saying is that worship is not just playing an instrument. Worship is a lifestyle. And I remember when he was going over this point, like where a lot of us, we come before God without a sacrifice. And, and he said, like, God is not interested in worship without sacrifice. I remember feeling so convicted that day after that class. And I didn't have a class after that one. I just went to my room and I started weeping and repenting and asking God for forgiveness. Because I know I've been in settings where I did not give God my best. Can we be real in church today? A lot of times we can just take this for granted, this time of worship for granted, this time of gathering. And it's not just here in the physical building or watching online on a Sunday morning. This, I'm talking about every day, every day that we approach God, the holy God that we serve, many times we come without anything to sacrifice. And what he truly wants is our lives. Are we really fully giving our lives to Jesus? Are we really putting everything on the altar? Are we sacrificing our lives? The Bible says that we are to live as living sacrifices unto God. So the first point here is sacrifice. When was the last time that you sacrificed something before the Lord? It could be your dreams, your career, your time, your finances, your reputation. True worship requires sacrifice. Can I get an amen? amen? 
The second element is surrender. Surrender. When we come into a place of worship, we have to surrender everything. Luke chapter 22, verses 41 to 43 says, He withdrew about a stone throw beyond them. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours we, uh, be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Here we have the example of Jesus right before he's about to be crucified, praying to the Father, praying, Lord, if there's any other way, I know this is going to be the most painful, excruciating death ever. If there's any other way, take this cup away from me. But God had to tell him, like, no, this is the only way. And at the moment, Jesus had to choose to surrender everything. Even Jesus had to surrender everything, all of his life. I wonder how many times we still hold on to some things in our own lives. As we come to, before Jesus, as we come to worship, there's things that it's easy to give up, but there's also some things that are so difficult to give up. Expectations, people, dreams, put in the blank, whatever it is that you hold dearest in your heart, it's hard to surrender. But true worship is worship with open hands, without holding anything from God. All the hurts and the, the frustrations and the letdowns, the good stuff, the bad stuff, God calls us to surrender everything before him. Is there anything that you're holding on to right now that you know the Holy Spirit has been asking you, you need to surrender this? You need to let go of this. I found that in areas that I tried to control, to have control in my life, those are the areas that there's most chaos and stress. Every single area where I'm like, you know what, God, I'll take it from here. Thank you for your advice. Thank you for scripture. And those are good suggestions. Uh-oh. But I'm going to try to figure this out on my own. Every time I do that, I get in trouble. So I found, even though I'm pretty young, only 30 years old, that the more I surrender, the easier life is. The more I surrender, the easier life is because life is really about Jesus. Come on. We, we, we like to, like, kid ourselves that, that we are in control, that we can figure things out. Like, we don't, we don't know what the economy is going to look like a year from today. We don't know what anything is going to look like. And yet we, we try to convince ourselves that, like, no, I got a good plan here. I'm in control. And it's cool to have a good plan. We should be wise. But at the end of the day, we still have to realize that we depend completely upon the Lord. The third element here is a song. A song. And uh, in Acts chapter 16, Pastor John Jen alluded that, to that last week, so I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but we have Paul and Silas singing as they are in prison. They make a joyful noise. Now, singing and praising God, it's something that we are all called to do. We saw here in Revelation that the, the elders, the angels, the creatures, everything, they're worshiping God. And this is not about singing well, okay? This is not about like, if I were on the worship team, that could be me. No, this is about everybody worshiping the king of kings, okay? The Bible says, make a joyful noise. 
you can interpret that the way you want to, all right? I, uh, one time, I remember growing up, I, I asked my dad, like, Dad, how did you know, like, that mom was the one for you? Like, how did you know? How did you know? Like, how, how, how did they click for you? He goes, okay, so there's actually a moment. I'm like, wow, tell me. He's like, I went to visit your mom. She used to live with her grandma because she had moved from a small town into uh, Curitiba, which is a big city in Brazil where I was born and raised. So was PJJ. And um, she was going to school. So we started dating. She started coming to our church. We started dating and stuff like that. And I remember one day I go into her house, her grandma's house, to go visit her. And she doesn't know I'm coming. I just, I'm dropping by as a surprise just to, you know, just to, to flirt, you know, have a good time. And, and as I knock on the door, her grandma comes out, and I, I ask, is, is Maida there? And she's like, yeah, yeah, she, but she's in her room. I, th- I think she's praying or something or whatever, you know, whatever you Christians do. <laughs> and my dad is like, oh, okay, like, let me go knock on the door. So my dad goes, and as he approaches the room, he hears my mom worshiping God, okay? And the, the, the funny thing is that my mom is not the greatest singer, like, at all. Like, I'm sorry, Mom, if you're watching this. I love you. Um, you can preach good, though. That's, that's what's up. Uh, <laughs> but my mom is not a good singer. Like, she could not sing on key even if she was standing on a key. You know what I mean? Like, we used to, <laughs> we used to have this joke. Ah, I was so mean. Uh, I, I used to tell my mom, like, Mom, maybe our family can have a band. Like, I'll play the acoustic. Dad will play the keys. Uh, Jessica will play, like, the bass. And maybe you can run the lyrics from the back. <laughs> You'll be on pro presenter. Uh, she, she's not the greatest singer, but, and she only knows like three chords on the guitar. But she has a heart of a worshiper. Because it's not about how well you sing. It's not about how well you sound when you, you, you're singing. It's about your heart. And let me tell you, I grew up walking into the rooms like where my mom was worshiping God. And I, I can tell you this, it might have not been the best sound in the world, but the anointing that was in that room, I'm telling you, it, it, was, it, it was more anointing than a lot of church services that I've been to, because it's not about how you, well you sing, it's about are you truly worshiping God in the spirit and in truth, and I definitely grew up hearing the sound of heaven coming from her worship. Parents. What kind of sound does your house have? What kind of sound does your house have? Is it the sound of heaven that your kids are growing around? Husbands, what kind of sound is in your house? As you set the standards, you set, you know, the atmosphere. Wives, what kind of sound are you cultivating in your own house? Is it the sound of heaven? Or is it the sound of culture and fighting and bickering and complaining? What kind of sound does your home have? What kind of song does your life reflect? A song, a song. The fourth element is sincerity. Sincerity. In Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, here Jesus is talking about the widow that gave everything. Sorry, this is the woman with the alabaster box. <laughs> My bad. Uh, you guys know the story. Jesus is in a house, and he is uh, 
teaching and, and whatnot. And this woman that had a past, many believe that she was uh, a prostitute that gotten saved. She comes before Jesus and she breaks an alabaster box. And many of you guys know this. Scholars believe that that perfume alone would, would have been worth uh, a, a year's salary. So I don't know what the average income in San Francisco is. Let's just say $100,000. Like imagine somebody coming up to Jesus and breaking a perfume that costs $100,000. And, and people are like, man, this is, this is a waste. Like what is this? Like what is she thinking? Some of the disciples that are super greedy are like, man, we could have sold that to the poor. But you know, they weren't really thinking about the poor. They wanted to pocket some of that money. And, and, and Jesus blesses her. He praises her because of her sincere worship. Worship has to be sincere. God knows our heart. Have you ever uh, received some fake praise from somebody? Like, you know, like somebody that doesn't like you and you guys are not in good terms and you see them like, oh my God, I love your hair. What you did to your hair looks so good. And they give you the eye like, nah. Nobody likes fake praise. Nobody. How is it that sometimes we can give fake praise to God? Like, we're raising our hands and we're like, man, what time does this end again? What time is the Niners game again? And many times we can come before God and we're not sincere about our worship. And the thing is, God knows, because you can't hide it from God. You can't hide it from people, but you can't hide sincere worship from God. And that is so convicting. Like, God, help us to come before you with a sincere heart, without having, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, an agenda as we come before God. Okay, I'm going to do my Sunday thing so I can get my blessing. I'm going to do my Sunday thing so, like, my week can go a little bit better. Like, no, there's no guarantee of that. Like, the fact that he is holy alone makes him worthy of a sincere worship. The fact of who he is, even before he does anything for us, who he is already deserves all the praise and all the worship. A sincere heart. A sincere heart. The amazing thing is that God never rejects a sincere heart. You can, can still be messed up with a horrible past, whatever you want to fill that in with. But if you have a sincere heart before God, he will never reject you. Jesus here didn't reject this lady. He was like, oh, no, sorry, too many sins. Like, nice gesture. I'll keep the alabaster box, but Jesus doesn't do that. Why? Because he sees that a sincere heart is all that he wants. Here's the fifth element, the final element of worship, selflessness. Selflessness. Mark 12, 41 through 44, and this is the story of the widow that gives everything. Jesus talks about how, how because of her faith, uh, she put in more than all the other people, even though in, in the natural, it was less than everybody else. But he, he talks about it. They gave all of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put everything in. All that she had to live on, she gave to God, selflessness, which if you notice, it also reflects sacrifice and sincerity, and it's her song to the Lord, like, God, you deserve my everything. And this is a challenge for us, especially for us living in, in a country that has so much abundance, 
living in the Western world where we're all about material things and it's so easy to get things all the time. And if, if God forbid, if our Amazon Prime delivery is late by a day, we freak out, we are looking, we're checking the app and we're calling Amazon and we want a free fund. But we forget how blessed we are, how much stuff we already have, and we forget what life is really all about anyways, being selfless. If you truly want to capture the heart of God with your worship, put him before your own needs, and that will catch his attention. I love it because every time we put God first, he would add everything that we need anyways. So the five elements today, in order to worship with the sound of heaven, if we want to speak the language of heaven, we must display these five elements of worship. If I could have Nicole on the keys. I wonder where you are today in your walk with Jesus. I think that sometimes if we're not careful, if we don't evaluate our own lives, our worship can get a little bit messed up can be a, a little bit mixed up with our own expectations and our, and our own feelings and our own uh, circumstances. I believe that God is calling us to set those things aside, and especially in the season of Christmas and thinking about, you know, our Savior being born and sacrificing everything. By the way, God doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. All these things that I just read, the five elements of worship can be found in the life of Jesus. So I want us to reflect today. I want us to reflect like how is the sound of my own life? How is the sound of your worship? Is it a sound that has sacrifice and selflessness? Is it a sound that is bringing a pleasing sound to the Lord? Or have we been giving God our leftovers and we've been kind of fake with God maybe we haven't surrendered everything maybe we've been holding things back and today I want to pray for you maybe you're here in this place today and if you're being honest with yourself you're like man I don't even know what what heaven sounds like I don't even know who this Jesus is can I encourage you that the first step is surrendering your life to our master and our savior, Jesus Christ. So today, if you're in this room, I wanna pray a prayer with you. I wanna encourage you, if you truly wanna have the sound of heaven in your life, if you wanna reflect heaven, it starts with giving your life to Jesus. And if that's you today, I wanna do a prayer and I'm gonna ask everybody to repeat after me. And the Bible says that if you, can, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will have eternal life. Your life will never be the same. Your life is gonna change and you're gonna start hearing heaven here on earth. So if that's you, would you repeat that, this prayer with me today? Lord Jesus, today I decide to give you my life. I surrender and I repent for my sins. Take control of my life. Have your way in my life. I no longer want to live for myself. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we make some noise for the people that made that decision for the first time?
Hey, if you made that decision for the first time, there's a card right in front of you. I would love for you to fill that out. It's a connection card. And I would ask you to take that card to the, the connection center right outside of the doors. We wanna, we wanna walk with you. We believe that salvation is not just a one-time event, but it's a journey. And we wanna walk uh, that out with you. We wanna give you a gift, a uh, Bible, and show you how to get plugged in with our church family. The last prayer that I have for you today is this. Maybe you're here in this place and your worship if you really are honest with yourself, you allowed some things to get in the middle of it. Maybe you haven't been giving God the sacrifice that he deserves, the song that he deserves. Maybe you haven't been honest with the Lord. I believe that today we have an opportunity to go back to the heart of worship, to go back to the, the elements of worship that Jesus teaches us. So let me do this final prayer with you. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room. God, that is here and every single person that is watching online. God, we want to be true worshipers, those that worship in spirit and in truth. God, I pray for the things that we've been holding on to, that we need to surrender. God, that we will surrender those things. God, I pray for, for moments that, that we, we didn't let live a sincere life or a selfless life. God, I pray that you convict us and teach us, God, how to live that out, Lord. We want to live like Jesus. Let our worship, God, be a pleasing aroma unto you, God. Lord, we don't want to give you our leftovers, but we want to give you our best. So I thank you, God, that you're raising us to be true worshipers of Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you. I'm going to invite Pastor Elena to come up.